Well, good morning, everybody. Um, we've reached my ringing. I guess I'm a bear. Well, we've reached um, Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to be reading from the first 11 verses this morning. Uh, and in the NIV, it's called No Confidence in the Flesh. And in the NRSV, it's called Breaking with the Past. And I guess sometimes it's hard to break with the past. Um, but sometimes we also need to let go of life to truly receive the life that God has for each one of us. And I guess for me this morning, this is one of the hardest sermons I've, I've had to preach. Um, and that's not to put you off at the beginning, so please, to please listen. But it, this sermon is more about our own personal experience with Christ as it is about trying to understand the challenges that Paul lays down in this passage of Philippians. It's much about those wow moments in life that take your breath away as, as understanding this passage with our minds. And uh, the problem is that you haven't lived my life. And as much as I'd want you to experience the wow moments, you can't, and you can't fully understand what those wow moments had meant to me or have meant to me as I can never truly understand your own particular wow moments when God broke into your life, perhaps. Or it could be, um, for me, it was um, standing on top of a mountain with some skis on, and you look out and there's snow everywhere, and the sky is blue, and the, and the trees are heavy and laden with snow, and it's all crisp, and it's, and it's almost perfect, and the mountains score, soar into the blue sky, and you look out and you... And you just wonder at God's creation. And it's, and it's an amazing sight. And it's great to see God's creation at its best. But for some, you may not have even been skiing. because You haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Or your own skiing experience may have been a bit of a disaster. I don't know. Oh, is that Sharon over there? How's your shoulder? You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever it is. But it could be um, just you know, the birth of a child or receiving confirmation that you've got into your university after years and years of study. Or for me, it was when I qualified as an accountant. You get that letter through the post and it says that you've passed and the joy is amazing when you realise you've passed something that you've worked so hard for. So I think we need to take a little moment to stop and think of a wow moment for each one of us. Have in your mind a moment where life changed, time seemed to stop. And if you haven't got a moment and you can't think of one, perhaps this morning could be that wow moment as we gather in God's place to be in the presence of an amazing and mighty and majestic king. So I'll give you a moment to think of that wow moment. Got it? Good. So, reading from Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who, who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God. We glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have every reason for such confidence. 
If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul writes his message, his letter, after having a life-changing encounter in Damascus, on his Damascus road. And the world we inhabit to Paul is very different. We have advances in technology, we have medicine, we have space travel. Very different to where Paul was coming from. But Paul, in his day, still lived a very privileged life. He could do what he wanted. He was a Roman citizen. He had the best teaching, the best training, and the best position, I guess, in his society. And as I started to write this sermon, I started it in in an airport called Gaziantep, which is on the Turkey-Syrian border. Um, and I did a flying visit there about a week ago. And um, my team there works across the border with disease prevention. And it's been there working in Syria throughout the conflict. And um, it's quite an interesting experience going there. But whilst I was in Turkey, I had uh, my official police letter. So if I was stopped by the Turkish police, they wouldn't whisk me away. Um, into jail, but I had this letter to say that I was there on a legitimate basis so I could hold on to that. Um, Part of my confidence was in that letter. Um, I normally have a security device with me um, that's linked to a a satellite station that's manned 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and um, you can get it on an app as well. And uh, if you press the right buttons today, I I would guess that they would send an extraction team in to get me (laughs) out of trouble. I don't know where they'd park, but um, (laughs) the potential's there, so I won't press the right buttons. Um, But you you have your confidence in something like this. However, it did occur to me that I had to make sure that my phone was charged or the device was charged and the satellite was pointing in the right direction um, to make it work. But I also had a driver to take me around. I was hanging on to my British passport, because surely this would save me, you know. The consulate would come and rescue me. I had my travel insurance in my back pocket, so if I got fell over or got injured, I could claim on my insurance and they'd take me to hospital. All the things you prepare and put your confidence in. But as I sat in Gaziantep Airport, it gave me time to reflect, where do I really put my trust? Who am I looking to to protect me? whilst I'm in these tricky situations? Do I trust in the God that put the stars into space? Or do I trust in the preparation and the man-made things of this world? And it's not to say that we shouldn't do preparation, that we shouldn't be travel aware, and we shouldn't be security aware whilst traveling. 
But ultimately, I hope, well, my hope is that God is looking out for me just as much as the, uh, the technology of this world. And, um, and I guess Paul is in that same place. He took every step possible to be in God's good books. He went to the best teachers, studied, went to everything that he could possibly do. But he throws himself this question, had he put his trust in the right things at the right time? He was circumcised on the eighth day from the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee to the highest order, a persecutor of the church. There was no other. He was what he thought was the best thing that God wanted him to be. But where did that leave him on that Damascus Road experience? When he was blinded for three days and he had no one and nothing to turn to. Many of the people that we employ in our um, base in Turkey are from Syria, from places such as Aleppo and Raqqa and Damascus. And they were forced to leave their, their home country, to live in their second choice world through the conflict that took place. And just talking and listening to them four years down the line, they recounted how they once had businesses, they had families, wealth, family. They could um, purchase a bride. Uh, they could do many things that we probably wouldn't do in this country. But they had the wealth and they enjoyed a wonderful life. So they recounted to me. And I wonder what would happen if conflict broke out in England or if something happened to us when we lost everything, everything was taken from us. Where would we really put our confidence and our trust? And what struck me also was the fact that they didn't have any concept that their brothers and sisters could do what they did to one another. They trusted one another. And our country director who was there was from Bosnia. And she recounted how the Bosnian War started. And overnight, friends became enemies. She lost her home. She was arrested. She went from a university student to a nurse in a field hospital, working or trying to help those that had been injured during the war. But now those Syrians, having been in Turkey for some time, were putting their confidence in the fact that they would be given Turkish residency. And, but that residency, or becoming a Turkish national, comes at a cost. They had to jump through many procedural hoops, many forms that they had to fill in, and they weren't even guaranteed after doing that that they would be accepted into that country. They had to change their surnames to make them more Turkish, um, to register. And the children that had been born to them in that country, um, they tried to register them with Turkish names. Oh, sorry, not Turkish names, Syrian names. But then they went to register, they were told that they couldn't have those names, and they had to choose a Turkish name. They lost something of their identity being in this foreign land. But on the positive side, Turkey has taken in more than three million refugees. But they've had to learn to build a different life a different way of living. They have to seek a different confidence. And the good news for each one of us is that when we come into God's family, we are promised a new name, not through conflict. We don't have to fill in any paperwork. We don't have to go through lengthy border controls. We don't have to make any payments to the local authorities. 
As Paul says, we have to trust by faith, not in a righteousness of our own, but in the righteousness, the gift that God gives us through Christ. Christ has paid every bill. Every outstanding debt is cleared. All the customs paperwork is cleared for us to go into heaven. We will get a new name. And each of us has got a mansion in heaven with our name on it. And it will be an amazing day when we come into God's presence in heaven. But it's a gift of love, not a gift forced upon us through conflict and war. And I did touch upon the, um, the topic of religion whilst I was in Turkey. And it wasn't the fact that I was woken up at four o'clock in the morning by the minaret and the call to, call to prayer from the local mosque, which when I worked out was about two o'clock um, our time. And I'm uh, not generally a violent man, but if I could find that PA system, <laughs> I would have quietly switched it off or done something to um, stop them. But we have to embrace their culture, don't we? And my hope is Ian won't apply this strategy to call us to prayer meetings or, or a church meeting. As good as his voice is, I don't want to be hearing him at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I spoke to a guy there called Mohammed, and he'd, and he'd read the Quran and he'd read the Bible, and he declared that he was a, sort of like an atheist, shall we say. Um, and he said, don't all roads lead back to God? Aren't, isn't it all back to one God? But I had to point out to him that no one or no other faith is built upon someone laying down their life for free, sacrificing their life so that we may enter into heaven, a gift of love. And Paul realised, I think, on his Damascus, Damascus Road experience that all he had trusted in, all he had built his life upon was now nothing compared to fully knowing Jesus. And he said it was rubbish. And as I said, we have our own wow moments, but we can't truly understand this domestic road experience for Paul, what it actually meant to him. It wasn't just a, a nice feeling, I don't think. It was a literally a life-changing event. The posh Christian term, so I looked it up, is transposition. God literally... Um, came down from heaven and entered him and transferred Saul to Paul. And it was every molecule in his body was infused by the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis writes it this way in The Problem of Pain. God first came in his love to Adam and in his thought and without painful effort. In perfect cyclical movement, bringing power and joy descended from God to man in the form of a gift and returned from man to God in the form of obedient love and ecstatic adoration. God comes down in and through us and we return our praise and our adoration back up to God. When God met Paul on the Damascus Road, he totally transformed his life. Everything, his mind, his spirit, his soul, was infused, as I say, with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't that just someone just prayed for him and he, and he felt good for a moment or two. He had that wow moment that completely, completely transformed his life and everything changed from then on. And I don't think we fully comprehend 
the depth of that change in his life. And I think from that he could write that everything else was rubbish. He had a new inner life, a new closeness to God. And everything else of this world didn't even measure up to the glimpse of heaven that he had had. Saul went from persecutor to apostle to a boldness beyond his own ability. And we read that even his shadow was, had the ability to heal people. And the early church grew up under Paul's apostolic ministry. They knew what it was to see and witness the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I guess over the years, we've lost perhaps our closeness to the Holy Spirit and understanding what that really means. Perhaps we come close to a good sermon or when we pray to God or when we preach or you hear a good sermon or when we gather every Friday for endless song, which I guess is next Friday. It is. It is. <laughs> Just for those that you didn't miss the message or the, the notices. <laughs> but we gather for endless song and that's a place where we touch heaven where God comes down to us and we just come into God's presence. And as good as it is, Marion, I wonder when we get to heaven how we will compare on a scale of one to ten what worship in heaven is really like. Um, I won't give a score, but, but if you can get that grasp, that, you know, as brilliant as life is, it's only a fraction, only a glimpse of what we have in heaven. And... Um, and you might think, why am I labouring this point about Paul's wow moment and what does it have to do with this? But we can put our confidence in the things of this earth so quickly and so easily as Paul did. But his wow moment transformed, changed his life. He glimpsed heaven. And do we long for heaven to be closer to God or are we satisfied with the things of this earth? My Syrian colleagues, although living in their second choice world, still said to me that they longed to go home. As they said to me, home is always home. Even though they probably didn't have any prospect of going back to home, they still longed to be home. And Paul, having met with Jesus, longs for this new home, this new heaven that he writes about later, which is why he said to die is gain, because he loved, he yearned to be in heaven one day in that place where he had perfect communion with his Abba Father, beyond our comprehension. And as I say, we may not have had that wow moment or been touched by God in a miraculous way, but every time we meet together, every time we give space for God to speak into our lives, there's always that possibility of a deeper and purer and a wider adventure with God. And this is where the sermon becomes a little challenging. Um, if I was to go to heaven and Paul met, met me at the gates and said, um, sorry, God's a bit busy, but I'll give a review of your life and see what you've been up to. I wonder what he would say. Much of the time that I spend in life, perhaps he would say is utter rubbish compared to what I could have experienced. If only you'd come to a prayer meeting, a life group, to endless song, to the evening service, or whatever it may be. 
Perhaps you could have made other people's lives richer, fuller of my love as I worked through you. Or as Chris reminded us last week, friendship is not just for us, but being friends need to be friends to others. You know, there's that phrase, isn't it? You don't have to come to church to become a Christian. But I think you do have to come to church to build a community. And we were praying out there and uh, we were talking about the importance of family, that to be family, we need to be together. And I'm not trying to make us feel guilty that we should go to everything in church. Um, But it's that opportunity that we should seek, as Paul did, to draw closer to God to have that experience that Paul had every day in our lives. And God wants us, each of us, to be open to that possibility that he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine in our lives. Which is why Paul wrote in verse 8, he says, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that is through faith in Christ. Ultimately, through faith, we all receive God's gifts of grace and of love. Ultimately, our service to one another is a gift of love and a gift of service. However, all that Paul had gone through and all that he had understood, God still used. He still used those times of study to bring closer those around him so that he could communicate God's love through his training. And in a different letter, Paul calls us to go into training, to run the race with perseverance. There's a place of the wow moment, but there's the place of plotting, the place of spending our time with God, day by day, drawing closer to him, But we are to run this new race, not in our abilities, but by faith and confidence in Christ Jesus. William Pitt, Earl of Chatham in 1708 said, confidence is a plant of slow growth. And Nicky Gumbel writes after that, the person whose life is centered on Jesus Christ can go through life with a growing confidence. Our confidence and self-esteem will grow as we realise what, what is already ours in Christ. The best environment for this plant to grow is the community of the Christian church. If it is a loving, encouraging and affirming environment, it's the place where we draw into God's presence, a place where we can express ourselves and learn and draw and be part of God's family. And Paul finally writes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, to that somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. We know our resurrection is sure because of Jesus. But I think as Paul reflected on this, he saw Jesus acting completely differently in terms of suffering, in terms of all that he went through. He didn't respond or react like other people. And I think, for me, as I reflected on this, Paul wanted that inner strength to be like Christ. In whatever he faced in life, he could have the peace that passes all understanding. Christ went through it for the joy set before him. And Paul reminds us throughout Philippians to rejoice, to be joyful, because he wants us to know that joy 
that helps us through life struggles, but it also helps us to rejoice in those wow moments. And we know Paul had his thoughts, we all have our thoughts, but God still calls us to go on in confidence in Christ, by Christ's grace alone. And in the words of turn your eyes upon Jesus, as we focus more on Jesus and his presence, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. So in this week, go out with a new confidence, a newfound faith, a righteousness not of your own, but a gift of faith from God that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. Amen.